up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 16 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by the edgelord with a heart of gold, Mr. Robert Thompson. Hey. <laughs> and the guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. What's going on this week, boys? Same old shit. Yeah, yeah, not too much. <laughs> That's one way to put it, I guess. <laughs> I say, in the world of video games, maybe it's the same old shit, but in the real world, things are a little shaky, a little hectic this week in our country. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yes. uh, so yeah, I am happy to be here talking about the things that make me happy instead of all that <laughs> nonsense uh, with oh, you guys. Yeah. We're going to keep the show the way off we always do by talking about what we're playing this week. So, uh, Sean, why don't you kick it off? Cool. Uh, I am playing nothing new. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Same old stuff. Yep. Warcraft. Lots of uh, World of Warcraft. Still trying to beat the same boss. Still 200 in the world. That means that nothing has moved. That means that no guilds have killed the boss that we're on that are behind Ooh. us. So, it's very difficult. Um, and... Uh, so other than that, it's been, you know, a lot of heroes trying to push forward in uh, Hero League. I believe I'm gold two right now. Or no, gold three. I just got demoted, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> was but, that the uh, game that you were just playing right before we started? No, that was a quick match game, which we oh, did okay. win. Uh, but, um, and then other than that, nothing. Uh, it's been kind of a busy week, so I, ha- I haven't had the chance to progress with... Uh, Sean Dendo in Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's it for me, gaming wise. No updates on the Dendo Watch, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> Dendo Watch Seventeen, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you, Thompson? Uh, yeah, more more of the same, really. I don't, I don't think there's anything new. It's uh, a lot of that Foxhole game I was bringing up. Sure. Um, I think I mentioned Crossout a couple times. Uh, it's that car building crafting game. So it's like Mad Max, basically multiplayer Mad Max. Um, a lot, That's a lot fun. of that actually, because I got real into the the crafting thing, you know, and just started making stupid designs for no fucking reason, ramming people, <laughs> like dumb shit. Um, yeah, a little bit of Heroes, um, a lot of Elder Scrolls Legends again. Um, I play that on and off, but man, I've been like really into that one again, going up ranked. Um, so it's the same ranked as like uh, Hearthstone. I'm like currently ranked seven with this one deck and I'm just rolling with it. Um, nice. It's yeah, it's a, it's a really good deck. <laughs> uh, it, you it mean like, like few... you're ranked seventh with that deck? Like, yeah, well, like you have to win matches to go up the ranks, you know, it's like three or four wins per thing to go up the ladder, you know, but like okay. once you start getting past like rank 10 area, it starts getting pretty like hit or miss and people are pretty savage, you know? <laughs> um it's it's like hearthstone you know if you were like ranked five for six for the season you'd be pretty fucking proud of that i think but sure i'm i'm pushing it you know i'm trying to see how far i can get with this one deck but you know other than that i think it's more the same so cool yeah i'm kind of in the same boat not too much to report um i'm still playing persona 5 and zelda that's pretty much all i played this week um i've been kind of juggling my time between the two of them depending on how i feel uh, took a break from Splatoon for the first time since it came out. Not for any particular reason, just like I've been kind of doing a lot of multiplayer stuff lately and I've been just been in more of a single player mood lately. So um, 
or I guess not lately, in this last week. So, uh, yeah, I've been jamming on Zelda, um, finally got through. <laughs> I finally beat the first Divine Beast instead of just fucking filling out the map and fighting things I'm way too weak to fight. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm uh, making making progress. I think I've like filled out about half the map now, and I've done a lot of the side stuff that there is to do, so I'm kind of ready to push forward and make some more progress in like the overall narrative. And then uh, in regards to Persona 5, um, I'm not too much further along than I was last week. I think I played an additional, like, three or four hours, which in Persona 5 is, like, nothing. So, you know, I'm still not through the first chapter of the game. Like, the whole thing that me and Andy have been joking about for weeks about how you fight your gym teacher's dick, I still haven't done that. Like, I'm still not done with that part of it. Um, And I'm, like, almost done. I'm at, like, what I... I (laughs) In typical Persona fashion, I went and started what I thought was the final mission of that arc, and then they were just like, nah, there's like two more hours left in this, and I was like, fuck, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you go to the castle to beat the guy, and then they're like, they leave, and they're like, oh, we gotta go back and do it later, and it's like, wow, what the fuck? (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, uh, I'm still having a great time with with both of those games, but uh, I haven't made too, too much progress. But all right, so that's gonna wrap it up for what we're playing this week. If you want to let us know what you're playing this week, you can write into the show and hear your thoughts right on the air, give us a random question of the week, or just say hey by dropping us a line at our brand new email address, thevideogamepals at gmail.com. That's thevideogamepals at gmail.com. You can also follow our sister show at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold to stay up to date on everything we have going on here at the Pals Network. And if you're an audio listener, we would greatly appreciate you dropping us a like on your platform of choice. Or if you really want to help us out, you can bounce over to iTunes and give us a, uh, where we are currently a five-star rated podcast, give us a rating, whatever you think we deserve. If you're over on YouTube, you can do us a solid, like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And uh, keep your eyes peeled for all the new YouTube stuff we've got coming in the weeks to come. And then last but not least, the best thing you can do to help the show out is to share it with your pals so they can become our pals too. Uh, so for our before we get into our rotating segment this week, uh, I have a new segment I'm going to introduce, which is PSAs. Every once in a while, I think I might have to do one of these. But this one's specifically targeted at friend of the show and uh, weekly listener, Mr. Matt Murphy. So um, Matt reached out to me uh, on Twitter I think last week to ask me about um, Hellblade, which is the new game from Ninja Theory, uh, because the game had a uh, an embargo right up until the day it came out, right? And he was like, "Oh, I haven't seen any reviews for it. Like, what's going on?" And I advised him against buying the game because there were no reviews, and the only information about it that I could find was all negative, and was a bunch of fan uh, controversy over this mechanic of like there's supposed to be permadeath in the game but apparently there isn't really permadeath it's a whole thing um that we were going to get into this week but none of us are interested in that game so we're not but i wanted to tell you that apparently most of that stuff is bullshit and the metacritic uh score on the game is at 82 right now with the vast number of reviews from both major outlets and independent reviewers sitting at like nine or higher um the only reason it's at an 82 seems to be actually from a clerical error which is that there's a positive review on Metacritic, um, but it's awarded the game a zero. So that's probably knocked its score down pretty highly, and I'm sure that'll be fixed uh, maybe even by the time this posts. So uh, specifically for Matt, but for anyone else who may have read what I said on Twitter and been misled, Hellblade's apparently good. So if you were interested, go check it out. All right, so that's going to take us into our uh, rotating segment this week, and we're going to do another buy or sell. Um, so this one actually comes from a, a podcast I'm a fan of called What's Good Games, uh, which has four of the 
finest ladies in the video game industry talking about uh, what's going on every week. So, you know, maybe go check it out if you're interested. But um, basically, one of their listeners wrote in and asked them to uh, choose one franchise to revive in exchange for another that you love. So just to give an example, right? Like you could say, I want to bring back uh, Earthbound, right? And I'm willing to trade Zelda. It's like you can't just pick something you don't give a shit about, right? Because otherwise, it's not a buy or sell. So, <laughs> um, wow, yeah. So this is a tough one, <laughs> right? Like I, I've I've been thinking about it a lot, and I'm honestly still not a hundred percent on which direction I want to take it in. Hmm. You're right. That is tough. Because, like, you have to think of a franchise that you love that you're ready to sunset. Because you're not saying it's never existed. Like, all the games that already came out still exist, but it's just going to go away forever. So, like, whatever the last game was is the last game, and we're done. So, when you say revive, how dead is this franchise? Is it even dead, or are we just asking for a new game? Up to you. Well, I shit. would say I would say you'd want to pick something that's like dead, dead, right? Because I mean, like, if it's only been a couple years since a game, and you just want another one, then that's whatever. I mean, you're free to make that choice, but you got to consider that way that against what you're sacrificing. All right, all right. Let me see. So I want a Knights of the Old Republic game. I, want I knew Knights you were going to say that. Yes. yes. <laughs> I I want Knights Three. So the question is, what am I willing to sacrifice? For this game. Now, the real answer is blood, right? Like, I'm willing to sacrifice blood for this game. I need this game. But beyond that, because we're limiting this to the gaming space, a franchise that I love, I am willing to sacrifice Marvel versus Capcom. We could kill that. Whoa. For me to get another Knights of the Old Republic game. That's legit. See, that's that's what I'm looking for. That's the perfect answer. <laughs> so what's your reasoning behind why you'd give up Marvel? I would give up Marvel because as much as I love Marvel, uh, if the last game that they came out with, if Marvel 3 was the last Marvel game, I would be satisfied. Mm. Uh, I think Infinite's probably going to be good, but if we didn't get it, I'd be fine, especially because it doesn't have Jean Grey and Marvel 3 does. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah i mean that that's a beloved franchise but i'm not willing to go beyond that and do street fighter so marvel 3 has got to go <laughs> or marvel has to go rather right yeah right 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 hmm, so what about you thompson you got anything in mind uh i i'm still thinking because it's it's really hard to pin this down you know so it's actually really funny because my original answer for um, games I wanted to see come back is like seems like kind of a, a cop out, but my mind immediately went to Dishonored because like Dishonored two didn't sell super well, and like it seems like the future of Dishonored was like seemed a little unsure for me. But then literally just yesterday, um, or maybe two days ago, they announced that. Um, remember there was like that Dishonored DLC that they were talking about, Thompson. Right. That was yeah. like, about um, the character from Dishonored two. That's apparently its own standalone game. So oh, yeah, yeah. that's the next Dishonored. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that, that game is healthy. You know, that that's that, I'm proud of that, you know. I, I like that idea. It's like I guess I guess we're safe there. So do you have one otherwise then? So my replacement is one that I've talked about on this show a few times of something that I want, and I feel like 
given the success of Crash, it seems pretty likely at this point. But I want a Spiral the Dragon revival, man. Like, I want a Spiral collection of the original three games, um, or, you know, remaster or whatever. And uh, with that, like, same attention to detail and quality control. And, like, that, that'd be great. You know, like, there aren't, there aren't too many franchises I really love that are, like, super dormant that I feel like need to come back. You know, there's a lot where I'm kind of, like, good if they if they don't, like, come back and have the chance to tarnish their legacy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the game series I would give up is actually Mass Effect. Oh. Because I, I've said on the show a lot, I really don't want Andromeda to be the end of Mass Effect. I don't want that series to go out with a whimper. But, like, the Mass Effect, original Mass Effect trilogy is so good that I don't really think we need anything else. You know, I think that trilogy is, like, great as it is, and despite the problems that are present with its ending, you know, I that ride is so good, and it'll always be one of the most memorable experiences I had in gaming, and I really do wonder if they'll ever be able to give me another Mass Effect game that feels that way and isn't just, that doesn't just feel like we're chasing that feeling, you know? So... As much as I hope that that happens, I'd be willing to take the gamble that that won't. Yeah, that's that's a good answer because I think whenever you get a a franchise that's done so well and hit it out the park for you know a trilogy or whatever, there's always that chance that's like okay, we're gonna keep making these games even though we told the story already, and then you get you know something that's less than stellar, less than what the trilogy was. Right, or you, you get something like Assassin's Creed, right? Where it's like, if Assassin's Creed had ended at the Ezio trilogy, like, we would remember Assassin's Creed as, man, that was one of the all-time, like, the Ezio trilogy was one of the all-time great gaming trilogies ever, and it was incredible. And not, man, Assassin's Creed is this series that we're all sick of and we wish would go away, you know? Yeah, you don't even retroactively enjoy playing them if you never played them now, because there's so much crap around it now, you know And you've I mean? played you've played it so many times that you don't miss it, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And as much as I was hoping Andromeda was going to give me that same Mass Effect feeling, like, it didn't quite do that. And, you know, maybe maybe we're just done with Mass Effect. Maybe it's time to move on to something else. So th- that leads into my answer, kind of, because I was playing with the idea, like, I'd, I'd pass up another Dragon Age or Mass Effect for something similar, like a, like a Knights of the Republic 3 kind of thing. Like, that is on my list. But I think, like, real hard answer for this, I would give up another elder scrolls for for revival like for having another fallout you know that's mm. how much i'd like to have another fallout like i have no problem with four i actually really love four you know but i want kind of like a new vegas again you know so yeah, you're like saying a, you know. specific well hmm i think i want to push you to pick a different answer if i well, can they played no they're different games between new vegas and four is what i'm no, saying no no know? no i totally i totally i'm with you on that but like fallout's not dead like we just had it's Fallout not, 4. And it's, we're saying, definitely going to get Fallout 5. Yeah, but who's saying it's going to play like New Vegas did? It's going to play probably more like 4 did. You know what I'm saying? So you mean specifically you want to revive also, Obsidian making Fallout? Or like that way of presenting the story and stuff because 4's story kind of pulled out from what Fallout's universe set. It, it, you know what I mean? It really... It, it. There's so much life in the wasteland that it's kind of like not a wasteland, you know? Especially with the fact you're making settlements everywhere. It's kind of weird. 
if you think about it, it's a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know though, man. It's not really like it's not like a dead franchise. You also though. said it doesn't have to be a game that's dead. It, it could be a game that you want more of, or you feel that you know you're just waiting for another answer or whatever. But like that's how strongly I feel about Fallout. You know, I love all of the games, even three, and three's kind of a turd. <laughs> and I would, and I love, I love Elder Scrolls. You know, I I've put just as much time into that series, so that's why I'm saying like I would give up something like I'd never have another Skyrim or an Elder Scrolls just to have another Fallout. You know what I mean? Like that's how much I'd want. I want it. And, like if if that answer doesn't suit you, like I said before, like I would like Knights Three, and I don't think there's anything comparable that I'd be really ha- like. There's nothing else I'm really into that needs to go away for me. You know that hasn't already stopped. Like you said earlier, I'm I'm kind of fine with everything if they just kind of stayed where they were. I don't want them to come back and, like, sully their image, you know? <laughs> so, like, there's really not much that I could give up to really ask for that Knights 3, except for maybe, like, a Mass Effect or Dragon Age or something, you know? Because I don't want it as much as the next Fallout, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> so, no, I definitely get that. I, it's, I like, really hard. Could not, I could not pass on Dragon Age. I still have too much hopes for that to come back mm-hmm. strong, but... I uh, <laughs> I think I think Knights Three is definitely a better answer than Fallout, but I get where you're coming from. I rank Fallout above you know every one of them though. That's the that's the problem with it. It's on such a pedestal. What could I give up for it? You know, <laughs> blood, dude. Yeah. So like, I, all right, I would give blood for for another Fallout like today if they were like, listen, we just need a couple ounces and we're working on it. You know, donate now. I'd be there. <laughs> get me the plane ticket. I'll fly to California. I'm sure that's where they make it. <laughs> Jeez, you, you know. If you want to pre-order Fallout 5, we're going to need a quart of your blood. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> I make it all the time, man. <laughs> it's just going to waste. <laughs> all right, so that's going to wrap it up for our buy or sell this week. Remember, if you guys want to send in your own buy or sell, you can drop us a uh, – I mean, you can always just leave a comment or whatever on, on the video or uh, the podcast service of your choice. But you can also drop us a line at the video game pals at gmail.com, and we'll read it on the air. Save me a little bit of time when I'm putting the show together. All right, so I guess that means it's time for the news, the news. We talking about the news, the news, the news. We talking about the news. All right, so we've got five news items on the list this week, and uh, kicking this news week off with a bang. The Washington Post is reporting that Paris is currently considering including esports in the 2024 Olympics. Holy shit! Wow, that's cool. So the Post, Marissa Payne, writes, With about a month to go before the International Olympic Committee is expected to award the 2024 Games to Paris, Olympic bid committee officials in the French capital are wasting no time in planning the event schedule. On Tuesday, the co-president of the committee, Tony Astangue, Astanguet? Hmm. Probably Astangue, because it's French, but told the Associated Press he is mulling over the addition of video gaming to the agenda. So uh, he said, quote, we have to look at esports because we can't say it's not us. It's it's not about Olympics. The youth, yes, they are interested in esports and this sort of thing. Let's look at it. Let's meet them. Let's try to see if we can find some bridges. And then he went on to say, I don't want to say no from the beginning. I think it's interesting to interact with the IOC, IOC um, which is like the internet. It's like the, I think it's like a chair group for esports. Um, with them, the esports family, to better understand what the process is and why it's such a success. So there's not too much more to go on it for, uh, from that other than uh, the fact that the article points out that the Asian Games will actually debut esports as an exhibition event next year before adding it to its official program in 2022. 
So the Olympic Council of Asia announced in April that uh, the first esports events would appear at the Asian Indoor and Martial Arts Games, which uh, take place in September. And um, they're going to have events for Dota 2, StarCraft 2, Hearthstone, and a sports game, uh, either from the FIFA or NBA series. So I know a few episodes back, uh, Andy and I kind of argued against the idea of games trying to legitimize themselves through something like the Oscars, but I actually really like the idea of esports being included in the Olympics, because I definitely see esports as being uh, different from sports, but when you look at some of the things that are considered in like the Olympics or higher levels of athletic competition, I don't really think that there's a... a um, a good reason to separate games from those if the whole point is uh this to be like this higher spirit of competition you know so what do you guys think about this so i was on the side of you know not necessarily that games should seek legitimation legitimization from other sources but that any added legitimation legitimization is positive for games and i feel the same way here uh however though we do have evo already and evo is supposed to be the olympics for 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 games it's the olympics well, for competitive for fighting games, games anyway for, for fighting games um so if if we're getting the olympics what happens then does does, does that change the climate of evo how does that affect hmm. gaming uh what games are included what games get excluded all those kind of questions. I think that's an interesting point, but I, I, I can't imagine it would affect it in a meaningful way in terms of like stuff like Evo. Just because think of the Olympics is only every four years and Evo's every year. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, like we have uh, the best athletes from America, right? Like we have guys who play in, you know, the major leagues or whatever, go and play for the American Olympic team. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't have the NBA or the, or Major League Baseball or the NFL or whatever, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, it just it just puts it 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 puts that added level of pressure and legitimacy on gaming because now we're on the big the biggest stage that there is yeah and so people who never maybe aspired to game professionally might say to themselves well shit now I can be an Olympic gold medalist for this. So I'm going to take it to the next level. So again, the question is, how does that change the landscape of gaming? In other countries, for games like StarCraft and Heroes, they live together. Those teams, they live in the same houses to practice. That's how seriously they take it. How is that going to affect fighting game teams who now decide, okay, well, we're going to the Olympics. How do we practice? How, do we, how, how does that change the game? That's going to cause everybody to up their gameplay to a whole other level. I mean, we do have a culture like that in the States to a much lesser degree. Um, but yeah, the kind of stuff you're talking about isn't isn't unheard of in the West. It's just new, you know, because like there are definitely uh, a lot of pro like MOBA playing teams like uh, League, Dota, whatever, where they have the same kind of deal where there's like player houses and they all play together for like 12 hours a day or whatever. And yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think it would it would it would bring legitimacy to esports as a thing, I think, of of making people take it more seriously as less of a niche kind of thing because if it's in the Olympics, it's being recognized on, like you said, the highest stage of athletic competition, you know, and you're able to uh, to win gold medals on behalf of your country, and, like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's exciting. I like that it's um, 
you know anything that like adds like like sean said anything that adds to gaming culture i'm like a fan of but especially i like it because uh being every four years you you've already got yearly tournaments for uh for fighting games and stuff and like i think we might see other ones crop up for other games now you know yearly tournaments for mobas and well i mean we already have that uh, that's bad yeah i mean like, right you know, there's already things. a pro league and everything yeah know? and there's like counter-strike's already got its fan base and there's 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 stuff already out there that kind of does this already sort of in a yearly basis and cultivates this culture and i think adding like another ceiling to it um you know every four years now the pros of every year get together so it you know it's it's almost like adding another tier to the to the structure of what we consider to be like pro gamers and stuff you know um you know, it reminds me a lot of, like, uh, with Comic-Con stuff, like, how you never really saw, like, anime shit there, and then it slowly seeped in because it became more popular in smaller cons, and then, like, you know, that grew, and then it, like, got bigger and bigger until, like, now it's hosted at, you know, the Comic-Con area, and, like, video games are a whole part of Comic-Con, right? And it's Comic-Con, it's not Video Game Con, but they're there, and there's a huge chunk of it for it, you know? So it's pervasive, it does that shit, and putting it every four years in the Olympics is just another way of you know, we might even have like uh, leagues pop up just to compete to say that we're going to go to the Olympics now, you know, just for that one reason. So that could change everything or or it could be slow, like change thing with it. That's that's the other thing I was going to say was that that could change the culture of gaming globally, because there are there are areas in the world where gaming isn't as big of a deal as it is over here. Now, those people have the incentive to really take games seriously because their countries are going to want to win gold medals. Right. So yeah. definitely it's going to, it's going to have a, a massive impact once word gets out. And once this becomes, you know, a serious thing, um, if they really do include esports, the game has changed. I think it's so <laughs> interesting how the sports world has adapted and reacted to the evolution of esports. Cause like, there are a lot of people in the sports world who are, like, dismissive of it, but there's been just as many people who are, like, see the legitimacy of it, you know, even if it, if it even if it's not their world, you know? Um, like, how many professional athletes are investing in, or professional sports franchises are investing in, in esports teams now? And, you know, like, ESPN broadcasting the Dota Championships for the last few years and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and yeah, forgot about that. The Dota Championships brought in more views in the Olympics. I forgot about that, yeah. So I think if anything, this is a, a would be good for the Olympics because it might get young people to actually give a shit again. Yeah, it's, it's another know? thing too. I don't really know that many people who like actively watch the Olympics who are like under the age of like thirty. You know, I mean they don't. It's it's just it's less and less popular. And I think um, you know to uh, to this the point of this quote right is like you know he's saying like this is like young people are interested in these sports and or these competitions anyway if you don't want to call them sports but. Um, and that they're they're legitimate, right? And they're successful and they're interesting to these people. So, like, why would we just, like, try to write it off and say no? Like, that's a very old mentality, you know? It's just – and it makes sense to try to adapt and keep up with what forms of competition people are interested in. All right. So, speaking of sports, uh, EA is fighting to make NBA Live relevant again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I knew wait, you'd have wait. some thoughts on this. Is, one, is that like that subscription service they used to have? Or, or something? No, no, no. NBA Live is their basketball franchise. Oh, it's just the game series. I don't really know yeah. anything about like their games. Um. Yeah. So this is this was EA's NBA 
franchise that they basically stopped making i think it was like a year or two ago and they took a they had like a game that was like done and they scrapped it because or they just didn't release it because 2k has just like utterly taken over and dominated uh that space you know and it's really the only major sports franchise except for i guess ufc and wrestling that ea doesn't control um so, in addition to learning more about the game in the last two weeks, EA has just announced that anyone who pre-orders NBA Live 18 will get a 33% off uh, discount, making it $40 instead of 60 if you pre-order it. So, this is actually uh, really interesting because this is taking a page from 2K's book, who uh, over a decade ago, um, in the early 2000s, did the same thing with uh, NBA 2K5 and NFL 2K5, where they released them for 20 bucks to try to undercut EA. Oh, I remember that. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I remember my friend picked that up. He's like, I got both these games. I was like, dude, you just spent $120? He's like, nah, man, I spent like 35 Yep. So this uh, this comes pretty hot, hot off of a piece of news from last week that we missed, which is that EA is also going to be bringing the WNBA to video games for the first time in NBA Live 18, uh, making all the players and teams fully playable in multiplayer mode. Which is, uh, this is the first time that the WNBA has ever been featured in a video game, which is like similar. They did the same thing with FIFA last year, I think, when they added the entire women's soccer league as well. Um, so, Sean, as a man who's offered very passionate opinions on this series in the past, uh, do, do you think any of this is, is going to matter for their bottom line? Like, what, what, if anything, can EA do to try and make this game relevant and take some market share away from 2K? Make the game good. <laughs> that's it yeah, that's all they have wow. to do all of that all of that that you said is just those are just ploys to get eyes on the game but when it comes down to it and the game gets purchased by people who get duped they're gonna realize it sucks just like the last one sucked and the one before that sucked they look bad the, the like the the facials for some of these characters are just like how how did you get this face from the actual player's face? How did that happen? <laughs> uh, and and it's just this this franchise has been, you know, not not high quality for quite some time. And Two K has had the right perspective. They've been on the money. Not all the games have been phenomenal, but but it's only because of changes that they make and tweaks every year to keep it fresh. But but on a graphical level, they look great. They play great. Like, the, the actual gameplay is tight. Um, EA does not offer that. So you can add the WNBA if you want to, which is great for those those women that, that play in the WNBA. And I'm sure they must be so excited to be the first class of women that are featured in a game. Uh, it, are we sure that's that's the case? They're the first? Definitely. Yes. Okay. Historically, this is the first time they've ever been featured in a game. And it's the whole roster, which is cool. It's like the entire league is represented. But yeah, that's awesome. And I'm happy for them, but it sucks that they're being featured for the first time ever in a game that's going to suck. <laughs> well, do you do you think that uh, – are, are you like definitely confident it's going to suck? You don't think that them taking a year or two off and like, you know, maybe like going back to the drawing board, you don't think that there's any chance that they've increased the quality? So they canned the uh, live series – Years ago, years and years ago. Was it many years? Because I thought it was yeah. only like fifteen. Well, they tried to no, they tried to make a splash by by relaunching it um, a few years ago, and it was it, it like 
it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. Sure. Um, nobody, nobody bought into it. It didn't sell well. Everyone could tell. I, I specifically remember, fairly sure it was the NBA player Russell Westbrook, who looked so awful, like Chun Li level, like <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, like yeah. not even the same person. And no one bought into it. So they had time then. To make it good. They could learn the lessons that NBA 2K had taught them. And they didn't. They just did they just didn't. So I have no comment. Okay. That's fair. Um well I will say there's a demo that's available right now for anyone who's interested in checking the game out. Um Sean, I would actually love it if you download the demo and and see if it sucks. <laughs> I I will do that. Cool, cool. Yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on it next week. I have a question sure. for you, though. Do you, do you think, like, regardless of this game being shitty from the previous iterations, do you think there's any room for any company to hedge in another uh, basketball game, or do they just does two K just have it? You know, I think I think that people would like something different because two K's offerings are good, but sometimes the they they have a very specific view of what they want the gameplay to feel like, and that has changed since the 2012 offering which was my favorite um iteration where they've slowed down the gameplay it's it's very much more um it's a simulation more than anything uh and i'm not interested in that as much yeah i, want I don't the like faster, that that's like the yeah. trend in sports games now right and yeah, it kind of simulates as you control like a little bit right rather than just being the driving force of it well no you're, you're the driving force but like they're, they've they've tried to make it so realistic that the gameplay isn't as fun. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because if I can't actually be Kobe, I want to do Kobe things. Mm-hmm. But doing Kobe things in the game can sometimes be unfair. So they've changed the gameplay to make it more real, but also more fair, which is frustrating. They limit mm-hmm. you in terms of the kind of defensive plays you can make because even though you can make those in real life when you play in the game, they're not fun to play against. And so it's just weird, and I would like to see another company take this on. Now, EA stopped producing these games in 2009 and came back in 2013. Oh. Okay, wow. okay. Yeah. So they had been going up until 2013. No, no. they wow. took, they Because they were getting trounced so yeah, bad right. that they, they just stopped the franchise. I just didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. Uh, and... They had all the time in the world to come back and learn from the mistakes that they made, the mistakes that 2K made, and they didn't do that. And so that's why they're at where they're at. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, dude, it's 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 a – I feel like sports games are a weird spot because when we were younger and there was just less video games, like I feel like sports games were thriving. Like there used to be multiple series for every sport. And then ever since – We've gotten to the point where EA does Madden and 2K does uh, basketball and then it's Sony that has the show. You know, it's like it's these same companies making the same franchise over and over again and like iterating and making them better uh, in some cases anyway. But there's no competition anymore. You know, like why? Like if you're the only game in town, you don't have to work that hard. And like I think that's really unfortunate because like as great as like 2K... You, you know, you and Andy are both really into 2K18 right now. Um, you know, imagine 
like if this if this game actually comes out and it's good, right? And they they get a bunch of people with this forty dollar price point, and they have the WNBA, and it's actually like competition. Imagine how much better two K nineteen is gonna be because they're like, well, fuck, we gotta fucking show up because somebody's here to contest us, you know? Yeah, it it it's I don't know, man. I I would like to believe that. I feel that two K has pretty pretty well planted their flag in terms of saying, hey. We're the we're we we're known for this. This is what we do. Um, it's they have a, a lot better chance. Uh, EA does in this space than they would, um, or rather, I should say, what I meant to say is, if they were making a wrestling game instead of a basketball game, I think they would have a lot more eyes because the two K wrestling games are a lot of people don't like them. They feel that they're buggy, which is true. The graphics are shit. Like, if EA had the ability to make a wrestling game, that would bring a lot of eyes. But in the basketball space, EA has proven over the last however many iterations of this of this franchise that they don't get it. And I think that that I don't I don't think they're one game away is what I'm saying. I think they mm. need to prove themselves over the course of multiple iterations to get people to want to purchase their game. Interesting. All right, well, get that demo and let us know what you think next week. We'll, uh, we'll keep up on this story as it develops. You got it. Uh, so keeping with the trend of firing Sean up, Shadow of War made some headlines this week because of its new approach to microtransactions, which is something we all know Sean loves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's fucking great. So in an official announcement from WB, the company announced an in-game store called The Market, where players can purchase loot chests, war chests, XP boosts, and bundles. Huh. So, oh, dig in. So, uh, loot chests contain weapons and armor, as well as XP boosts, so players can level up Talion more quickly. War chests also produce orc followers of varying rarity, as well as training orders that facilitate level ups and customization. Bundles package uh, these various components together, quote, at a great value. Uh, items in the marketplace can be purchased from the game with, or excuse me, with the game's in-game currency, Miran, or gold, which is the currency available in exchange for real-world money. So here we have a couple quotes from the developer's statement uh, where they say, quote, Gold does not give you any advantage over other players. A player who invests enough time can progress the same amount and have access to the same content as a player who purchases gold. Gold is not required to progress or advance in the game at all. Gold merely allows you to get your hands on them immediately, cutting down some of the additional time that would have been spent winning more battles, tracking nemesis, nemeses, uh, completing quests, and assaulting fortresses. Now, however, mm, people are not buying that excuse because it's bullshit. Uh, <laughs> the main complaints that I've seen raised online are asking uh, the, the what I think is a pretty valid question is, is this game going to be padded to encourage players to spend money to speed up their experience? You know, and, and I, that's not a thing I would ever accuse a developer of doing until you have something like this. Where they say, oh, the whole point of gold is to cut down on some of the additional time that would be spent playing the fucking game. Winning battles, tracking nemeses, completing quests, and assaulting fortresses. So, does that mean that there's a bunch of superfluous extra shit to make the game longer? To encourage you to spend that extra money? And buy those boosts? Or get the XP boosts? Or, or whatever it is? Um, and the other thing that people are pointing out where they say that it doesn't give anyone an advantage, that's bullshit. Because in the single player mode, it doesn't. But they've also announced that there's going to be 
uh, a competitive like online ranked mode where where people can storm each other's fortresses and obviously you're making that a pay to win system then or at the very least a pay for advantage system because anyone who spends money to open these crates is going to have a better likelihood of getting those super rare powerful orcs to defend their fortress and give them an unfair advantage so in what way does that not give people an advantage do we know if that system is attached to the online though like maybe you can't bring your items that you paid for nope that's not how it works it's you know it's part of that yeah. system well, yeah. well, then I fuck mean, that. yeah there, at the very least there's no indication that that's not the case okay so the the whole way it works is you because you can get these crates in game yeah right? like you unlock no, gold in game or miran so i don't see how they would actually even differentiate what you paid money for and what you just rolled because you're just opening loot crates well, I just mean like if you you had stuff and you say you went into the online ranked and it would be like, oh, you only have, you know, a randomized thing. You have to start over kind of, you know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah, like no, no, no. It's, it's based on what your your setup is in game. Right. Like you have your main fortress that you can have people try to siege. Mm-hmm. And whatever you set up as your defenses are what are there for them to deal with. And if you have some super powerful rare orc that you spend a bunch of money to roll then you're gonna obviously have an advantage yeah yeah um i can see it like i can see some people being like uh like my dad for example plays some stupid phone games and and every once in a while like when shit like his his cities are under attack and he'll drop like five bucks in so he doesn't get annihilated right and i could see some people being like oh i want to take all the hard-earned shit online and then like i don't want to lose it all so maybe i'll spend a little bit of money to buff it you know and I guess that's okay, maybe for those people. I'm not. I'm not for any kind of paid system like that, though. You know, like I think that the amount of people who would want this is so small. Like, obviously, the, the internet's already made a statement on it. I don't like microtransactions generally for just about anything, but if they're done right, I love them. You know, Th- this seems like bullshit. Like you're just paying to to do what you were going to do in the game, no matter what you like flavor that as. That's that's really just like shitty. It, I mean, it's, it's the game's content but now with a price tag inside of itself it's fucking stupid you know well in this case you're not even necessarily paying for content you're paying to make it so you don't have to play through content but yeah that's what i mean so like the game says like here's a game where's what we offer right and if you're not like if you don't want to play it you could just pay to skip it so then yeah, why you can you... pay for shortcuts but what the fuck did you buy the game to play for then you know like if you're just gonna skip to the end basically yeah so I, I used to play a game called Marvel Avengers Alliance, and it was an oh, app game. That. Yeah, yeah. Pete, we played that. Yeah, we actually uh, we played that at, at Comic Con once. Yeah, like yeah. we demoed it. <clears throat> it so basically it was an app game where you could you could pl- just play through it to unlock characters, gear, all manner of different things like that. Or you could spend gold, just the same scenario here, to get the same things. You could spend gold to speed up your character's leveling process, to speed up the making of weapons, to allow you to bypass the energy system, which prevented you from playing the game all day, all that kind of stuff. Right. And I never had a problem with that. Because if you want to spend your own money to buy the ability to skip through the 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 paid the pay to play roadblocks that are in, that are in place do it who cares right i don't right. i don't care about that um i think i think those kinds of systems 
obviously they're there to get people to spend more money, but at the same time, you know, if you don't want to spend that money, you don't have to. You can get all the same things anyways. When I have a problem with pay pay to pay to win is when you're talking about it's it's not even pay to win, it's pay for content. Yeah. Like you shouldn't have to pay to download characters in a video game when the characters are already on the disc. That's ridiculous. If I bought a box copy of a game, I should get everything that's on that disc at that moment. When it comes to phone games and things like that, I really don't care. Um, because you can unlock all that stuff anyway. In Street Fighter V, you can spend $10 and get Guile if you want to. Or you can earn fight money through the game systems and you can get them for free. I don't see any problem with that. See, the difference I see there, right, is like I don't mind shortcuts to unlocking content right like if it's like that like if if the like in that example right like if you can either play street fighter like normal and unlock whatever characters there are to unlock or you can pay so you don't have to do that because you want to play guile and you don't want to play through the story you just want to go online right away right fine i don't have a problem with that the issue i have with this uh is in a competitive sense i don't think that you should be able to pay for anything that gives you an advantage in combat that's a, a thing that, like, I feel hard stop as if you're going to have a competitive system, you can't be able to have an advantage for spending more money. It's one thing if you want to buy new characters, cosmetic stuff, because, like, in a game like League, right, that's the same principle. I could buy a new character, or Heroes, I could buy a new character instead of putting in the time to grind out and unlock them. That doesn't give me an advantage, though. I don't have an advantage for having a new character. I have a new way to play. I think that's fine. The difference I see here is you're literally – it would be like if I could roll boxes in Overwatch and pay for those crates, but instead of just like leveling – like if I leveled up, I got stat boosts. You know, like, oh, I can pay to be stronger in the game instead of putting in the time to get stronger. Yeah. See, Marvel Avengers Alliance had that too in the PvP aspect. The reason why I didn't care was because the PvP wasn't, you weren't actually, you were playing against someone else's team. It sounds like this is the same thing, and maybe I'm wrong and and I'm uninformed, but you would play against someone else's team, but you weren't actually playing against that person. No, you're right. You were playing against the computer. So if if this is that, then I don't care. And it still rubs me the wrong way, just because it feels like you're, you're giving people the ability to have an advantage because they're willing to spend more money. And I just, that doesn't seem fair, Um, at least to me. And then I think the other thing is that, again, this is like a little bit of like a tinfoil hat kind of thing. And I'm not usually that kind of guy, but the whole thing of like, it does make me wonder, did this influence the game's design? You know, was there somebody who, a suit there who's like, oh, you got to add 50 more fetch quests or people aren't going to buy this fucking, you know, this currency to to get through this bullshit. This is WB, right? They, they... They produce games like this all the time. Um, the Mortal Kombat phone app game that they produce, the the uh, Injustice games, the uh, the recent DC phone game, all those games are like this. So now that I'm like understanding the story, I'm also I'm kind of surprised that people even care because all their games are like this. It's so different though between a free to play phone game and a sixty dollar box game that you paid for that's supposed to be a single player experience. Oh wait, this is a sixty dollar box. Game. Yeah, dude. Yeah, this is like a sing- sixty dollar triple A box game. <laughs> Whoops. 
Dude, now that I know it's a $60 box game, there's no way this is anything other than a really gross cash-in. And every, there, of course people are mad. This is crazy. It just, it just feels very... I mean, I don't know, right? We're going to have to see what the game looks like when it comes out because there's a chance that the stuff that we're speculating on is irrelevant, right? And that, like, the game plays fine and there's no problem there. And if there's no problem there, then your original point is right, Sean, that this comes down to a speak-with-your-wallet thing of if you don't want to spend money on this extra bullshit, don't, and you shouldn't. Um, But it's when it seeps into the way the game is played and how this multiplayer system is going to work or how maybe the single player was designed that's where i get worried is i'm more forgiving of dlc and this and season passes all that shit than most people because it's to me it's a free market thing if these things if we all actually thought that they were so bad they wouldn't do them because we wouldn't buy them and it would be a waste of money. But the reality is, is there's a small vocal minority of us who fucking hate these things and talk about them all the time. And there's a bunch of people that fucking buy them anyway. Or the same people that complain about them go and pay for them anyway. Or they wouldn't keep doing it. And I think it's when you see stuff really affecting the way a game is played or how you progress through it that it makes me uncomfortable. If you want to spend $5 so your fucking horse can have armor in Skyrim, I don't care. Like, that's your stupid decision to spend that money. Yeah, and I think when it comes to when it comes to season passes and things like that, you're you're talking about you're talking about additional development. And I don't see any problem with a company charging more money for additional development because they're actually putting time in to make something new. In Injustice 2, if they release a new character, I don't mind spending a few dollars to get that character if I care about it. And if I don't, I don't, whatever. Right. Uh, but in this game, you're talking about, and of course, remains to be seen how it actually plays out. But you're talking about the ability to just literally just buy a weapon. The difference between that and like Hearthstone, for example, is that in Hearthstone you can buy a random pack. That pack could either give you a legendary, which changes your whole game, or it give you jack shit. You don't even know. Well, no, this is the same deal because you do pay for the crates and then you open the crates. Oh, because it said you get. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, gotcha. it's it's very similar to I think Hearthstone or Overwatch or something like that. Where I think it's they're trying to get you in that loop of you want to spend money in open packs because you either open a pack and you get you don't get that rare item, or you do, and then you're like, well, let me do it again. I want to get another rare. Yeah. So it it's it. I don't it's know. It's predatory. Man. This is yeah. This is one of those it where is. it's it's kind of like just it remains to be seen because that could either that could great. If if the chances of you getting a very good item are heightened when you spend money versus when you don't, that's gross. But if you're just buying the the ability to open something that could have any kind of random items in it, well, then you're dumb. That's what you're doing. Yeah, that's 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 what you're doing. It's the same thing as it's the same thing as what Overwatch does, and I criticize them for that all the time because I like Overwatch, but I don't think it's right for you to charge sixty dollars for a game and then have a loot system that's based around me spending more money we could talk about this forever i feel like with when it comes to overwatch it's not so bad because you're spending 60 dollars for a game you could play you could play forever and spend not one more dime 
Yeah, and that's true, right? And those things don't affect your ability to play the game better, which right. is that's the deciding factor for me here of why this I'm staunchly against. And yeah, anything yeah. else, like even Overwatch, right? Like I hate their loot system, but it doesn't make me hate Overwatch or think Blizzard's gross. And at least if you at least if you get the best thing possible in your loot crate, it has nothing to do with your ability to like kill someone. Right. Yes. It's just something cool aesthetically. Yep. yep. So, uh, moving right along, Valve has announced their next video game, and their fans are not happy. <laughs> Did you guys hear about this? No. no. Oh, it's funny. All right, so so strap in here. So this past Monday was the start of this year's international tournament, which is the annual Dota 2 Championships. Uh, fans there were expecting the kind of regular drip of news we usually get out of these events. It's usually new stuff about Dota, right? New characters, updates to the game. Uh, but instead, fans were treated to the announcement of Valve's next game, Artifact, which is a digital card game set in the Dota universe, and it's, you know, seems to be very similar to Hearthstone and Elder Scrolls Legends. So, uh, <laughs> Valve fans who are, like, you know, obviously there to hear about Dota, or, you know, maybe some of the other beloved and mostly dormant franchises that Valve has, <laughs> but... Instead, they hear about this fucking Hearthstone ripoff, and literally the entire crowd audibly groaned. Like, there's, uh, if you go check out in the link down below, or in the description down below, we have links to all of our news stories. Go click through, uh, I've got a, a, a article from Screen Rant, and there's a Twitter video, and it's literally, the thing comes up, it's Artifact, a Dota card playing game, and the whole crowd goes, Ah! <laughs> I just watched it. Man. It's a that fucking amazing. I've never seen anything like that before in all my years of covering games. It's so funny. Like, what a fucking debacle. Yeah. That that's an embarrassment. And like ultimately it's not going to matter. You know, like I'm sure that this game will be fine. I'm sure Valve fanboys will play it. And I put like I totally get why they're upset. Like this is this is definitely not the announcement that I think that Valve fans are hoping for. <laughs> wow. Uh, I don't really have anything to say about this other than people should get over it. Um, they're, they've been holding off on making a lot of those games that people are so clamoring for for the longest time. Just, just let it go. Um, it's a no-brainer for there to be a Dota-based card game. Uh, and maybe that's something that I would play. Like, I don't know. You know, and it's like, the thing is, is like, like, I have no interest in this, right? Like, I'm not going to play this game, but like, it makes business sense for them to do this, yeah. you know, between Hearthstone, which has been insanely successful for Blizzard, Elder Scrolls Legends, which is finding its own audience, uh, and then, uh, Gwent, you know, the Witcher 3 card game. It's like, why, you know, this is like a trend right now, and they have a universe, and you know, uh, a cast of characters or lore or whatever that lends itself to this. So it makes sense for them to try to get in on this and, and make some extra money, you know? And, like, that's the thing is, like, Valve makes games of services now. I don't think we're ever going to see them make another Left 4 Dead or another Half-Life or another Portal. I, they're not that company anymore. Yeah, I really think that, like what Sean said, I think people need to get over it. Like, I, I know Half-Life <clears throat> 3 is a meme and it's a joke and all that, but to expect <laughs> anything else at this point would would be foolish i think because they're they're raking money in from steam hand over fist you know at any given time they don't need to make another game ever again and 
they're probably investing everything they have back in infrastructure and to th- make things like this, you know? Yeah, and the games they already have, like keeping Dota going, making growing right. Dota as an eSport, growing Counter-Strike as an eSport. Yeah, and like what you said before, you know, like Dota had more viewers, uh, the championship had more viewers uh, than the Olympics, right? So, like, obviously they're going to put money into that and the advertising for that and the production value for that, you know? And that's going to yeah. be like just i don't know numbers like what they're spending on it but i'm gonna guess you know it's gonna cost a lot of fucking money and maybe it's just as much as much money that they'd make from making a brand new game you know i don't think it's feasibly the right thing to do for them to make a game right now they should make things like this because they want money i mean it's not a big deal you know and it's it's a card game like you said it's finding a niche like i'll probably play it you know it might even be fun who cares yep so i mean i, I get why they're upset but it's also just kind of like you know yeah, it is what it it's, is. It's just a stupid thing. Like, get over it, you know? I just I just included this because that video is, like, one of the most legitimately funny yeah, things yeah. I've ever seen as, like, yeah. a games pundit, whatever you want to call what we do. <laughs> That's um, really funny, It's yeah. just so crazy. Like, I've never heard all it's, it's such a real reaction, grow, you know? Like, ah! Like, you can tell they're all so excited. Like, oh, what's Artifact? It's a new right. Valve game. And it's like, well, <laughs> it is, but no. Like... <laughs> yeah, you can kind of feel the the palpable sadness that hit yeah, like, as they like read the it. Hype and it then was just like, Whoa, death. boy, we're done. The roller coaster has landed, you know? Yeah, right. It's uh it's kinda sad, but Moving on to some brighter news. The last item on the news uh list this week is Netflix's Castlevania series has almost broken a small record at Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. So the series currently holds a ninety percent rating, making it the highest rated video game adaption of all time. Look at that. So, uh, this does come with the caveat that that number is based on only 10 reviews, and uh, Rotten Tomatoes requires you to have 20 reviews before you can be officially certified fresh. Uh, However, the site has taken notice of this, and they they released a statement. Uh, So, Alex Vo from Rotten Tomatoes writes, In Hollywood's unhallowed executive halls, the candle of the video game curse burns hot. Adaptions <laughs> typically flop at the box office and are always reviled by critics, including recent big-budget efforts like Warcraft and Assassin's Creed. No video game movie has has ever rated 60% or above. That includes the, the direct-to-video fare, even if they got if they even got enough reviews for a tomato meter. So, <laughs> wow, pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's I mean, really cool. Yeah, the series was definitely small, so I'm not surprised it doesn't have a ton of reviews, but I'm glad to see that. Much like we did in our own review, which you can go check out right now on SoundCloud.com slash The Comics Pals, um, or YouTube. Uh, we loved it, too. So I'm just happy to see this. We're excited for season two, and I'm glad that other people were vibing on it as much as we are. So just wanted to celebrate that little victory. That's awesome. It, it makes me really happy, you know? I mean, like, we we forever ago talked about video game movies and adaptations and stuff, and, like, this is this is, like right up the alley what i wanted something to happen with you know exactly like, it was like and what yeah, did yeah. what was the conclusion that we came to <laughs> animated stuff animated series on premium cable networks right That's and, the I, way and to we go. also said it should be for adults and it should just like skip the child barrier and just be like fuck it it's gonna have and like this is pretty much everything that we speculated on so i don't know if we're like wizards or not but we're, we're doing they, something right they listen to our know? show that's <laughs> predicting the future over here you know all right, so that's going to wrap it up for the news this week, and we're going to move on to our meat and potatoes discussion. So, since this is our Sweet 16 episode, I wanted to ask you guys, who are some of your favorite teenagers in gaming? And uh, what, do you, what do you think makes that period like an attractive setting for video games? Why do you think we have so many games that star like young kids or kids oh, that are like coming oh. of age? 
That's. I think you meant like kids that play teenagers that play video games. Like I'm supposed to know these people. No, no, not like <laughs> not like teenagers like who play games on YouTube. No, like, I yeah, mean like your younger like brother, teenage you know, so. characters. Ugh, I don't know. Uh, hmm. Thompson's well, an old man. He hates teenagers. <laughs> can't get off my lawn. It's because the the age that game the age of gamers, especially um, when we were younger. You know, it was teenagers. Like, I think most teenagers, especially in the '90s and the mid, the the early and mid 2000s, were playing video games, and so they were making games to appeal to us. I also think that gaming as a creative thing is something that you know, when you're creating, you're going you're going into yourself, you're going back to that childhood, and you're pulling things out of that to make this game. I think of Final Fantasy for some reason. Um, I think of Final Fantasy X. Um, yeah, yeah. As just as like those those experiences that hit you so hard when you're a young person, um, that with characters that appeal to young people more than they might even to adults, uh, because I think that that gaming is something that is for everyone of of whatever age group. But I think for what it for what it um, I think it hits young people the hardest. It's it's something that provides an escape for you from life, from you know people who bully you. Uh, especially when we were growing up, you would get bullied for being a gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when you're at, in high school and you don't get along with anyone, and people just pick on you, and you can come home and play Persona and go to high school in Persona instead, <laughs> that's better. I think. Uh... Something interesting that I think you touched on there, I think part of the reason that games resonate with kids so much is because, especially younger kids, is because it's the only place where, as a child or even teenager in some senses, that you get a sense of control. You know, where you're allowed to explore um, how you would deal with problems without somebody on top of you, you know, or like how, you know... I want to design my house, you know, or how I would decorate or how I would fucking deal with a moral situation or a moral quandary or, you know, what am I going to do in this sandbox world where I can do whatever I want, you know, or or even in the term of multiplayer games, like where I can go interact with people in a public place without supervision, you know? Yep. I I think like in this, in the same way, like you said, like not having a, you know, the overhead on you, like how would you handle the situation? Like, Specifically, you're asking about, like, teenagers and stuff. Like, one of the things I always think of is, like, Ellie from The Last of Us. Just because, like, I know, Sean, you haven't played it. And I know you haven't played it. But she is a teenager. And her... Spoilers! Oh, yeah. Her, her you know, reaction to the world around her is, like... It's it's always so genuine, I feel. Like, if you were a teenager, like, you would say, like, I fuck you to somebody, you know? And, like, her dialogue yep. is, like, really real, you know? It's, like, she she feels like a real teenager shoved in a really shitty situation. And then you get someone, like, since we're playing Dishonored, it's fresh in my mind, like, your daughter Emily, right? Um, I haven't played Dishonored 2, but I'm guessing, like, you know, uh, she gets more dialogue and stuff because you play her. And I'm guessing, <laughs> you know, she has some more impact on the story other than just, like, you know, being your daughter. Um, Unless you play as Corvo. Right, yeah. And and that's the other thing too. It's like I like to see you know in that respect you're you're like guarding her and you're kind of shaping her. But in like something like The Last of Us, like Ellie's already who she is. You know what I mean? It's one of those things like I identified with. Like when I played that game, it's like 
yeah, it doesn't matter like what the hell everyone's going around her. She's already who she is by that point, you know? Nothing's really going to change right. who she is. She's she's a tough, rad bitch, you know? I love her. Um, I actually, I think... So to take it back to something that Sean said before we move on to another thing I wanted to touch on is um, I think not only, like, obviously, like, games connect with kids, but I think, like, adults who play games, like, I think nostalgia is definitely a big part of gaming, right? Like... And whether that's because you want to play games that you played when you were younger or games that remind you of games that you played when you were younger or just that, like, you play video games because something that I feel like Sean and I say on this show, like, once every couple weeks, right, is that, like, the idea of play is something that is frowned upon as you get right. older. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. children play, adults don't play games, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big part of of what we get out of video games is that it is a at least more socially acceptable way to engage and play and have uh, that release and that fun, right? And that's a thing that I think that nostalgia is definitely tied up with the carefree nature of your youth, you know, and this thing that you've done since then that still hopefully gives you a taste of that feeling, you know? That's that's Pokemon right there, dude, you know? Like, you know, that that appeals to why do people keep going back? Like, why do you and I keep playing Pokemon, you know? And we're like, one of the eighth game or some shit, you know? The seventh game in the series. And it's just like, because we're always getting something new from like, probably the nostalgia of it. And you are playing like a little kid in that game. But whatever, you know, you're just going on your adventure and catching Pokemon. You know, what's there to worry about? You know, I'm really struggling. I, I can't think of any teenage characters that I really, like, that stood out to me in any game. Teenage really? Nathan Drake? <laughs> young drake <laughs> young nathan drake is pretty cool yeah um i mean my mind immediately goes to life is strange you know that's literally a game that's just oh, yeah, about two teenage girls you know and like i think um and that game is so special i just i love that game so much uh it just um i think it does a really good job of like capturing the aesthetic of what it's like to be a teenager you know and, like, that's, like, a weird thing to say, but just, like, there's so much in, like, the cinematography of that game and just the way that it feels that it it feels like the way I remember being a teenager feeling, if that makes sense. No, it does. You know it, what I it mean? Makes, it kind of makes you almost feel uh, unsure of yourself when you're doing something in the game. Like, even when you're talking to somebody, you're not, like, sure what the right answer is. And, you know, like, you have those slip-ups and you're kind of like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And you, you get, like, that awkwardness of, like, you know. I, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I lost that over the fact that I got older. And then, like, I play Life is Strange with you and I'm kind of like, you know, oh, man, do I really want to say this to this guy? Like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> what are they going to think of me? You know, it's just like, I don't think like that anymore. And that really is interesting i I didn't like i didn't like put that together you know and just like even in like small moments like you know like the that opening thing in the beginning of the game where like max pops her headphones in and she's like got the music playing and she's just like walking down the hallway right there's so many like like moments like that that just take me back in that Mm -hmm. way to just feeling like yeah like i remember this i remember this feeling and i think like everyone's been through that right like that's that's one thing like everyone's been a kid everyone's been a teenager and I feel like that's why those kinds of stories resonate so much. It's like everybody had that like first romance or like that time in your life where everything seems so important, you know, and so serious. Right. And that plays for a narrative, especially for a game, you know, where the whole like point is to create tension. Yeah. Like Nathan Drake once said, I'm going to get that treasure. 
<laughs> young Nathan Drake, it's all about being young and hungry. <laughs> I, for, for the record, I've still never gotten to the point where I can play as young Drake, so I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like literally an Uncharted 3. You never even finished Uncharted 2 yet. No, no, I didn't even start Uncharted 2. Oh, you're a monster. <laughs> play The Last of Us and I'll start Uncharted 2. Okay, deal. But we can't play The Last of Us together on the house play. So that's, that's how it's got to be done. Yo, just play all the Uncharted's in a row. Oh god, no. That's like that wouldn't even be that long. They're all like, like five hours. games, though. <laughs> oh my god. They're so all just like, classic. We just play every World of Warcraft game. Like, just like all That's only one! <laughs> oh, I'm... Tell that to Sean. It's like, <laughs> only no, one. There, there's one. There's one. All the expansions, like, didn't change the way the gameplay? <laughs> they, oh, they changed the game so drastically that they may as well be games in and of themselves, but they're really yeah, only... Yeah, yeah. You know, they build on just the one game. Sean's got to do a Let's Play series where he just plays on legacy servers and plays through the entire game of each expansion. <laughs> Believe it or not, Christ. I have no interest in that at all. Oh, I'm not surprised. You're into the modern game. You're not one of those crybabies who's like, bring back vanilla. Uh, people don't know what they're asking for when they say that. <laughs> you sound like Blizzard. You're a puppet. You're a corporate puppet, Sean. People don't know right. what they want. <laughs> we know what they want. They don't you know don't what they know want. They know what you want. If you, what's, what's that Alan Moore thing? If the reader knew what they wanted, they wouldn't be the reader, right? It's a fact. <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, to take it back to the matter at hand and not picking on people who want to play vanilla world of warcraft um (laughs) (laughs) uh i i think we would be remiss to say that if andy wasn't here uh, or if that if andy was here he would definitely bring up persona 5 (laughs) and the magic of going to japanese high school um but i think it's it's really weird because that's like seems to be a pretty major trope in japanese art in general you know is like just being a teenager or like that era of your life it's really a formative experience over there, more so than anywhere else in the world. Like, your social status is almost dictated from what you've done in your high school career. You know, you you right. almost don't, you know, have uh, a future if you don't get out of there with specific clubs and things and activities. And, like, if you're in trouble, with you know, it's, like, really bad. You know, like, your job is – your future is affected by your high school Damn. career in Japan. So, it's it's such a – experience because it is the time where you're trying to not be a child anymore and you got to grow up and you got to be serious very quickly over there so at most of the things you see coming of age stories are like the 15 or 16 year old you know um people and that's why like you know they have such like uh admiration but uh respect for like you know the elder classmen or like senpai and shit because it's like yeah (laughs) they're one year closer to being like that person that you have to actually respect so like if you don't respect them in the school hierarchy you won't respect them in the real world you know and like a lot of those things start translating in high school for them so it is really serious over there you know i'm glad i'm not a japanese kid (laughs) because like (laughs) i'm way too lazy for that shit dude i would have been like you know thrown out in the streets years ago uh, you know, my God, yeah, I was a little fucker in high school. Well, um, yeah, you would have been out. You wouldn't have been working probably today. You have, you know. Um, but yeah, so actually, there's a. I want to just plug this, and then we'll wrap things up here. But there's actually a great uh, YouTube video by this YouTuber named Gaijin Guba uh, that talks all about that dynamic of Japanese high school and everything that uh, is relevant to the points Thompson was making. So I'll link to that down below if you guys want to check it out. 
Um, but that's going to wrap up this conversation, I think, about about teenagers and, and that period of your life in gaming um, and nostalgia. And I, I don't know. This is a weird this is a weird main topic, but I had fun with it. So hopefully you guys did, too. You can let us know in the comments below or by hitting us uh, up at the video game pals at gmail.com. You can write in with your thoughts on this episode, any of the news items we discussed, uh, send in a random question, buy or sell any of that stuff or even just, you know, write in, recommend a game. You want to hear your thoughts right on the air? We'd love to hear from you. Uh, beyond that, if you guys are over on YouTube, you can like the video, share it with your friend, and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're an audio listener, uh, if you're over on SoundCloud, you can drop us a like. We've gotten plenty of love over there. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, no matter what platform you're on, it would greatly help us if you bounce over to iTunes and give the show a rating. Uh, or again, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Both those things are huge in helping the show uh, get some visibility. And then in the same spirit, share it with your friends. That's the best thing you can do to help us out. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Video Game Pals. We will see you guys next week. Take care, guys. Have fun.